Good morning. My name is Steve Blummer. I'm the pastor of Family Adults here at Hope Chapel. Our lead pastor, Pastor Neil Davidson, is down in Worcester speaking at Pleasant Street Baptist Church as they celebrate their 175th anniversary. I think it's pretty amazing to have a legacy and an impact in the community for that long. So we want to continue for their continued legacy down there as as Neil brings the word. Um, This morning we have the pleasure of hearing from Jim Wood. Jim Wood spoke at our men's retreat. We just got back last night from all day Saturday and, and Friday night. And uh, Jim is a, an author, a speaker, a pastor, uh, executive director of Weirs Valley Camp, where they have homes for children coming out of difficult situations, really difficult family situations. And they help these kids find counseling and education and just a loving home and mentorship. And uh, him and his wife uh, got a vision from God 20 years before God actually put them into play in, in there and Through the midst of that, he graduated from Gordon-Conwell and Gordon-Conwell Theological Seminary, pastored a couple churches here in the Bay State, moved down outside of Atlanta, pastored a church for about six years, and then God says, you're up, let's go. And so they've been doing that, and so it's a great blessing for him to be here. Um, Pastor Neil did want me to remind you, if you're new or newer to Hope Chapel, tonight will be a Q&A with him as a dinner, and just to answer some questions, find out a little bit about Hope Chapel that's here at the church at 6 o'clock tonight. So we encourage those who are newer to here to Hope Chapel to come and just connect with him with that. We do want to take your bulletins and use these inside flaps to share your own prayer requests. We pray every Sunday, take a portion of our time into the, the service and pray, not because we think there's something magical and closing our eyes and bowing our heads, because you can keep your eyes open and lift your heads up to pray, but there is something supernatural about the creator of the universe who wants to know what's on your heart and wants to be there caring for you and find ways to show his love towards you. So we encourage you to use those to share prayer requests so we can be in prayer with you. And also Tuesday, uh, there's an election going on, and we want to open the building up for the whole day on Tuesday. encourage you to come spend some time in prayer before you go and vote. Or if you've already voted, you can come and pray. And as someone shared on their Facebook, they went and voted, and then they went home to take a shower. So if you feel like you need a little bit of cleansing after you voted, you can come back and pray for forgiveness. I don't know. So, but we do encourage you to do that. But as, uh, as Jim comes up, I'm going to pray for him and for our time together. God, we thank you that you do care about us, and you care what's on our hearts, and you are involved in our lives, and you set a plan before us. And God, we pray that we would just be mindful of your your plan for our lives. God, we pray that this morning that you would just speak through Jim, carry the words coming out of his mouth to impact our hearts and our minds and have us to perhaps change something in our lives that you want us to change. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank Thank you, brother. Thank you. It's a delight for me to be with you. I um, have wonderful memories of the years we spent in New England. Uh, My three biological children were all born in Boston. Uh, My four adopted children were born in other places, but uh, I spent 10 of the first 30 years of my life here in New England, and uh, and it was a a good time. God was very kind. We still have precious friendships, including the Davidsons, and um, I I was mentioning in the first service that uh, when I first got to know Neil and Christina, they were in our youth group. 
No, and, and, and they weren't just sort of students who'd been held back. Um, they, <laughs> um, it is a joy to see how God has, has blessed and used them across the years. And um, I'm, I'm so very thankful to get to worship with you, to be with the men uh, on the men's retreat was a joy. And uh, the worship we enjoyed in the first service and now again in this service, it was just it's a delight to know that God inhabits the praises of his people. And he's here. Uh, this is not a long-distance call. God is not watching from somewhere on the other end of the universe uh, trying to see what's going on. He's here among us in this place and in the hearts of those who know him. And so it is a joy to be together. If you would please open your Bibles to the book of Daniel. We studied from the book of Daniel during the men's retreat. But uh, one of the stories in that book I felt the Lord wanted me to hold and, and share this morning. So if you would please open your Bibles to Daniel chapter 3. Daniel chapter 3. I'm reading from the 1984 edition of the New International Version. If you're trying to figure out what translation I'm using. And um, if you are using a, a pew Bible, I believe someone said it is page 450? 750. Page 750 in the pew Bible there. So this is Daniel chapter 3. This is God's Word. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold 90 feet high and 9 feet wide and set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. He then summoned the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials to come to the dedication of the image he'd set up. So the satraps, prefects, governors, advisors, treasurers, judges, magistrates, and all the other provincial officials assembled for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up, and they stood before it. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every language. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, you must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. Therefore, as soon as they heard the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, and all kinds of music, all the people's nations and men of every language fell down and worshipped the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. At this time, some astrologers came forward and denounced the Jews. They said to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You have issued a decree, O king, that everyone who hears the sound of the horn, flutes, zither, lyre, harps, pipes, and all kinds of music must fall down and worship the image of gold, and that whoever does not fall down and worship will be thrown into a blazing furnace. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Furious with rage, Nebuchadnezzar summoned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So these men were brought before the king, and Nebuchadnezzar said to them, Is it true, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? that you do not serve my gods or worship the image of gold I have set up? Now, when you hear the sound of the horn, flute, zither, lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music, if you are ready to fall down and worship the image I made, very good. But if you do not worship it, you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace. Then, what god will be able to rescue you from my hand? 
Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude toward them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them into the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing furnace. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, Certainly, O king. He said, Look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire, and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw that the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their heads singed. Their robes were not scorched. And there was no smell of fire on them. And Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. Therefore, I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces and their houses be turned into piles of rubble, for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. How many of you would say that within the last month you have at least once faced some sort of temptation? Could I see your hands? I just wanted to be sure you're alive. Uh, we, we all face temptation, but some temptations are tougher than others. Amen? Uh, I know a guy, Harold Bussell, wrote a book titled, uh, I Can Resist Anything Except Temptation. And, uh, and some temptations are, you know, it's like, oh no, I, I, can, I can pass on that. But other temptations are like really tough. And there are things that add to it. So the first thing we want to look at in this story is the nature of the temptation that they faced. First of all, it was, it was impossible to overlook, okay? Uh, there was peer pressure involved. How many of you have ever experienced peer pressure? I'm always amused that peer pressure is something that we'd say about kids. You know, well, he's facing a lot of peer pressure. I, I think so. You face peer pressure in preschool, you still face peer pressure when you go off to college. 
you still face peer pressure when you go into the workplace. You still face peer pressure in your neighborhood. You face peer pressure at church. You face peer pressure when you go to the nursing home as a resident. Okay, It is just part of life that we tend to look around and see what others are doing and try and get with the program. These guys were in a situation where they had been ripped out of their native home, brought to a foreign country, and now living as foreigners in that place, they had been given a job with the government, they were fairly high officials in the government, and now they're being tempted to do something that they know they shouldn't do. Their boss, who is a crazy man, an evil crazy man, is commanding that everybody has to do this. Not just them, they're not being singled out, but everybody has to do this, and if you don't do it, you die. Now, I don't know what temptation you were thinking of when you raised your hand, but I'm going to guess that it wasn't viewed by you at the time as a matter of life and death. Either give in to the temptation or you're going to die. The reason I'm assuming that is because you're here and I don't want to assume that you gave in to the temptation. Right? And you're obviously not dead, so, you know, it was one or the other. Most of the temptations we face are not presented to us as a matter of life and death. This was one where you couldn't overlook the thing, you know, well, I wasn't sure which way I was supposed to bow. You know, it was nine stories high. So you, you couldn't not see it. You couldn't say, well, I wasn't sure when I was supposed to bow. Did you hear the list of instruments? Okay, I mean, every time this is mentioned, you know, it's like this long list of things. It's like you couldn't say, music? What music? You know, there was, there was all these instruments making all this noise, and, and so there's no mistake what you were to do, when you were to do it, where you were to do it, how to do it, everybody else is doing it. And these weren't just people. These were all the big shots in the kingdom. You look at the list, it gives the list more than once. This is everybody who was everybody, okay? Everybody who was anybody is the expression, I'm sorry. This is, you know, the prefects, the governors, all the officials. Some years ago, I had the privilege of being in a Rose Garden ceremony at the White House for the signing of the Amber Alert Bill. It's a memory I will cherish. It was really nice to be surrounded by people who deserved to be there, okay? I didn't necessarily deserve to be there, but someone had gotten me invited, and I'm grateful. It was, it was an honor, and I obviously have cared about the plight of children in need for a long time, but, I mean, it was a group about this size, all the chairs were full, and I was seated right down toward the front because I'm that pushy. And, uh, and, I mean, it was, it was amazing. But l- let's just say I didn't want to do anything at that occasion that would cause me not to fit in, to look like I didn't belong, like I wasn't supposed to be there. These guys are surrounded by all the big shots in the kingdom, and they're not just trying to fit in because of that emotional peer pressure thing. They're trying to fit in emotionally, because if they don't, they're going to die. 
I mean, King Nebuchadnezzar, he was a bad dude. He was a mean man. Do you notice after this experience of them being delivered from the furnace that he still wants to throw out the death penalty for somebody? It's like, and if anybody says anything bad about their God, they're going to be chopped into pieces and their house is reduced to rubble. He just liked to kill people. Okay? I mean, he was a mean, murderous demoniac. He worshipped demons. And he loved killing people. And if he couldn't kill those guys, he's going to kill anybody who doesn't like those guys. How'd you like to work for him? You think you got a bad boss? Could be worse. You think you got a bad president? Could be worse. I didn't think we had a bad president. What I'm telling you is, if you don't like what happens on Tuesday, remember, this world is not our home. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, You are here as an ambassador for him. You're supposed to be representing his kingdom and concerned about how to serve the needs of others for his name's sake, not about how to protect your little comfy spot on the planet. Okay? Wherever you are, you are there. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you are there on assignment for the King of kings and Lord of lords. And your focus needs to be on representing him well, not protecting yourself. Jesus said, whoever tries to save his life will lose it. Whoever loses his life for my sake, Jesus said, will find it. So remember why you're here. I'm going to take a total aside for a minute and just tell you, I told him in the first service, my wife and I, before we met each other, felt called by God to have a children's home. God gave us an amazing piece of property that adjoins the Great Smoky Mountains National Park. Gave us that piece of property. We moved there, started the children's home, started a school, started all these ministries. And after we've been there 18 years, we find out quite accidentally from our perspective that my wife is a direct descendant of the Wares for whom Wares Valley is named, and our ministry is Wares Valley Ranch. I mean, how mind-blowing is that? It's just amazing. She thought all of her people were from Texas, Louisiana, and Arkansas. And instead, it turns out, it's a beautiful place, you ought to check it out, wvr.org, put it in your phone right now. Okay? But it, it turns out that my wife is a direct descendant of the Wares. Now, How did we end up in Ware's Valley? We didn't receive a family inheritance. God had prepared that property for us. It was acquired by a lady in 1954, the year I was born. And it was kept for us all those years. And at the right time, when we had been prepared by the Lord to start the ministry, the Lord said, okay, here you go. Gave us the property. We moved there, and 18 years later, we find out my wife is a direct descendant of those people. Now, I mention that not only because I think it's a really cool story and because I want you to remember the name of our ministry, but, but also because wherever you are, God puts you there. Wherever you are. You're not there by accident. God has you in that spot to represent Him if you're a Christian. If you are in Christ, you are in the right place. No, I don't think I'm in the right place. This is not comfortable. Hey, he didn't say it'd be comfortable. He said, in this world, you're going to have tribulation. But don't 
be afraid. Be of good courage. I've already overcome the world. Okay? This is a temporary assignment. I told you I spent 10 years in New England, but then God moved us somewhere else, to Georgia. And while we were in Georgia, God moved us to Tennessee. And one of these days, God's going to move me home. Okay? may move me somewhere else before he moves me home, but I'm hoping to stay where I am until I go home. Okay? You don't have to worry that God can't take care of you where you are. If you are where you are out of obedience to him, he will take care of you. You're working for him. He'll look after you. Please know that. So, these guys are facing this temptation. And it is a very powerful temptation. Their life was on the line. So point number one, the temptation. Point number two, the response of these guys to the temptation. What was their response? Their response was no compromise. No compromise. They didn't do the art of the deal. Okay? They didn't say, well, now, listen, how about this? What if we bow down but we don't worship? Okay? I mean, we understand that you've got to have national unity, and you, this right now is very important to you, O King, and so we would be willing, we've talked among ourselves, we would be willing to, to bow down um, just out of respect for you, but uh, we need to clarify that inwardly we will not be worshiping your gods, okay? Is, will that, they didn't offer that. They said, no, we're not going to bow down. There was no compromise. There was no rationalizing. Well, you know, it wouldn't be that big a deal. I mean, it's only, it's not like we have to live on our face. You know, it's just every now and then we have to do this. It's a government thing. It's something we have to do. It's, you know, I understand. It's just part of, part of the job, okay? And, and I don't want to die right now. There's no rationalizing. And there was no deceit. I hate to admit it, but I would be inclined toward deceit in this situation if my life was on the line. Well, what do you mean? Would you say you're going to bow down and not bow down? No, here's what I would do. I would simply take this moment to retie my sandals because it's not good to trip when you're a public official. And so we're just making sure that we've got this thing tied the right way. I watched the TED Talk about how to do a bow knot properly. There actually is a TED Talk about that. And, okay, the music's over. I, that's what I'd want to do. See? I mean, I didn't bow down. I just tied my sandals. I, I, I'm reminded to tie my sandals every time the music starts. I always just kind of associate the two. You say, well, I would never do that. I see believers do that all the time. When they go to restaurants, they've been taught they're supposed to pray before the meal, but they don't want to make a scene in public. So what do they do? Well, they scratch their foreheads. <laughs> Done. Okay? They'll, they'll pray, but they, but they lower their voice so nobody knows what they're talking about we, or who they're talking to. So, uh, how was that game the other night? I mean, can you imagine if we did that? You know, 
uh, I don't want to say this very loudly, but I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Bruins fan. And um, I, I also like the Celtics. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so um, I, just, I just wanted to say that I thought that was a really great game the other night. And, and I'm, I'm hoping that the Celtics are going to have a good season. Amen. Um, now, would you pass the fries? I mean, we, we don't do that. We're, we're not like that. About anything else, we're not like that. But when it comes to God's stuff, in public, we're like, secret agent mode. (laughs) I'm so glad that the youth were encouraged to be bold. Okay? You don't have to walk into the restaurant and say, excuse me, I'm a Christian and we're going to pray before we eat. If anyone would like to join us, okay, we're right over here at this table and you can come, offer prayer requests. We're glad to pray for you. But, uh, but we are going to pray before we eat, and you should too. <laughs> Don't do that. You just stay honest. Just stay honest before God. So these guys did not respond to the temptation by compromise, rationalizing, or deceit. And because they would not give in to that temptation... They got thrown into a blazing furnace. Now, I don't like that. Because, see, what I'm thinking is, when they said what they did, do you, do you hear what they said to the king? They said, we don't have to defend ourselves in this matter. Our God is able to deliver us. And even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down and worship your gods. We want you to know that, they said. That wasn't disrespectful. It was just honest and final. They were just being clear. This is not open to negotiation. We will not bow down and worship your gods. That's that's not an option. You can ask us to mop the floor. We'll mop the floor. You can ask us to wear turbans on our head. That's not something we did back in Judah, but, you know, we'll do it here for you. If if you want that, we we can wear turbans. But we're not going to bow down and worship your gods. Let me tell you something. When the government tries to command God's people to do something that God forbids, the government doesn't have any authority to do that. No one has any authority to command what God forbids or to forbid what God commands. I work with kids who've been abused, who've had authority figures in their life who said, do it. Carry these drugs for me. Steal that thing for me. Answer the phone and tell them I'm not here. Pressured them into sexual immorality. All kinds of things that kids have been pressured to do by people who were supposed to be protecting them and instead were exploiting them. I want to be very, very clear to children, to spouses, to citizens. No one has any authority to require what God forbids or to forbid what God commands. Please understand that. They just don't have the authority. If I walked in here right now, pointed a gun at you and said, fly, fly around the room or I'm going to kill you. Would you try? I hope not. You're not nuts. You'd know I was. 
okay? If the government despises what God says, it's the government that's going over the cliff, not God. Please understand, these fellas had the courage to do what they did because they were not afraid to die. That's why they could say, we will not bow. Our God is able to deliver us, and he will deliver us. But even if he doesn't deliver us, we're still not going to bow. Even if you throw us into the fire, we're not going to bend. Folks, unless you're ready to die, you're not prepared to live well. Unless you're prepared to die, you're not prepared to live well. If you are concerned about trying to protect yourself, you need to know something. You can't. No economic plan, no political maneuvering, no military defense can stand against the wrath of God. Ask Pharaoh how well the chariots work when God causes the wheels to fall off and the walls of water to come back down. You know, it's just, it just it doesn't work. This country more than once has been rescued by God against enemies that were much more powerful. And now that we are the most powerful country on earth, do not think that God says, well, I'm sorry, they're too big for me, I can't handle them. We need to be concerned about what God says. And we need to know that he's in charge. But when these guys did the right thing, they got tied up. I wouldn't like that. The men who tied them didn't say, uh, is this okay? I don't want to make you uncomfortable. They were tied up, and you can believe it hurt. It wasn't comfortable. And then they were carried like pieces of firewood by these big, some of the strongest men in the military, and the furnace was so hot that the guys who carried them to throw them into the furnace died from the heat just getting close to the furnace. See, I would be telling God, at least silently, if not out loud, I would be telling God, this is the time. I am your servant. I have obeyed you. You said we're not to bow down. We didn't bow down. You said no compromise. We didn't compromise. Now they've tied us up. We're on our way to the furnace. These ropes hurt. Please come now. Rescue me. I would, wouldn't you? But they got thrown in. It says they fell into the furnace because the guys who were carrying them died. And so they're plopped down there. You know that didn't feel good. They didn't float down into the fire. They fell down into a furnace that is filled with scorching, incinerating heat. You may feel like it's time for God to get you out of the situation you're in. You may feel like you've suffered enough. And okay, God, I've tried to be faithful. I've tried to be obedient. Now, 
It's time for you to get me out of this situation because I'm really hurting here. They were hurting. And then it got worse. They got thrown in the fire. But look at what happened when they landed in the furnace. King Nebuchadnezzar, I said he was crazy and I said he was evil. He's sitting there to watch them burn. I mean, that's the kind of monster he was. He is sitting there waiting to watch them burn. And it says he jumped up from his seat and said, Look! Didn't we throw three men in there bound up? And they said, Certainly, okay. He says, Well, I see four men. And they're unbound and walking around. And, and the fourth one looks like a son of the gods. It's a supernatural being in the fire. I like the story at this point. I mean, this is really cool. I didn't like getting bound up. I didn't like getting thrown into the furnace. But this, this is really cool. Because <laughs> this is like supernatural. And I love it when God does things that are so obviously something that only he could do. The king goes over, he calls, and he says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, come on out. They said, no, we're fine. (laughs) No, they didn't do that. They weren't smart, Alex. They came out. And everybody crowded around them. And they were completely unharmed. Their body, their clothes, the hair on their head. They didn't even smell like smoke. Is that amazing? You love this? Three things that you need to know about what happened when they got thrown in the furnace. Number one, the ropes were the only thing that got burned. The only thing that got burned was what bound them. And God will sometimes put us in a furnace of affliction in order to set us free from what binds us. The stuff that's holding us back, the stuff that's tying us down, God will burn away the ropes when we go through the furnace. You may be right now in the furnace, but it's not because God's forgotten you and it's not because God has cast you aside. It's because God wants to set you free from some things. And sometimes the only way to get free is to have to go through the furnace. Okay? Second thing I want you to see is that they met the Lord in there in a new way. They encountered the presence of God in a way that they had not before and couldn't anyplace else. I've seen that in my own life, and many of you could share your own stories of how in the midst of suffering and affliction and refining, you met the Lord in a fresh way. And it's worth it, let me tell you. Our oldest boy is 38 years old. He's had over 40 surgeries. Had to be operated on the day he was born at Children's Hospital. Many of his surgeries have been at Children's Hospital in Boston. He's been through so much stuff. But I know Jesus so much better than I would have if we hadn't gone through that stuff. The third thing that happened was when they were brought out by the king, the king gave praise to God and a promotion to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They they moved from being an honored government official to a more highly honored government official. This evil king promoted them and... Gave praise to God. 
God is able to take what looks like a disaster and turn it into a blessing. I don't know what you're going through, but God does. I don't know how long you've been going through it, but God does. I don't know exactly what God's up to, but God does. And I want you to know you can trust him. You can trust him. But when you're facing temptation, no compromise. No compromise. And trust that God, who rescued Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is going to cause you to come out shining as well. No matter what happens, this world is not our home. We're pilgrims and aliens here. Don't forget it. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for loving us. Thank you for loving us so much you sent Jesus. We are amazed by your grace. Please help us to love you. Please help us to trust you. Please help us to do what you desire. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.